If you like the Creative South podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South podcast swag. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. A shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support. Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Welcome to the Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I'm talking with Ryan Rogar and Mike Smith from Eggs the Podcast. We talk about podcasting, creativity, how their podcast got started, the importance of events and networking with your fellow creatives, building business, and so much more, all right after this. I talk about Jack Prince on the podcast all the time, and today isn't any different, except that I want to talk about how much we rely on them at Creative South. Not only has Jack Prince been a longtime sponsor of Creative South and the podcast, but they help us with so many cool things every year. Whether they are making our pop-up displays and tablecloths, or printing our notebooks, Jack Prince is always there when we need them. They even printed my Creative South podcast stickers that have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, stock, including full-color stickers with full-color liner prints for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3x3-inch die-cut stickers starting at $149 when you visit jackprince.com. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South Podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code PRINCESOUTH18 at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. We've got a, a exciting uh, show this week. It's our first ever co-show, as we're calling it, or uh, a uh, a show where we're doing not just a, an eggs podcast, but we're also doing one with our, our dear friends uh, out east at the uh, Creative South podcast. Uh, Hello. We've mentioned them many times. Yeah, How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing yeah. well. How are you? Good. Yeah. So our guest, well... Our guest, his guest, we're all guests, is uh, is Jason Frostholm. He's the uh, host of the Creative South podcast. Um, we've talked about him actually a bunch of times behind his back because we haven't stopped talking about WMC Fest since it <laughs> happened. Uh, you know, basically, we met a lot of great people at that event, and they've served as great guests on this show. <laughs> and so, so we talk about WMC Fest about every third show. And so, but um, but Jason is actually the inspiration behind Eggs existing. So when we we, uh, I, I'm, I'm either very happy about that or I feel sorry for you. One of the <laughs> yes, so far so good, but it might be, you know, we'll see how I feel next year. So, but, um, so when we went out to WMC Fest, I guess it's been two years ago now, uh, we met out in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. myself and, J- and Jason, uh, you know, as well as a number of other guests we've had on our show. And Jason was running around with this rad little porto kit, this little portable podcasting setup where he had like a, a little <laughs> Zoom recorder and a couple 
couple yep. mics and he was just like grabbing people just like pull them into a dark corner and do a little podcast with them that's not yeah, scary nothing at all. creepy yeah <laughs> hashtag me too i applied but, them with liquor first so <laughs> even better so uh so anyway so i was you know kind of paying attention to what he was doing because i thought this was pretty slick and i liked how he was kind of doing stuff on the fly and, and all that and i had been for some time trying to think of a, a method or a way to start generating some additional content things to promote my business or to promote whatever it was we were up to because we're always up to something and uh, one of the ideas was a podcast that was sort of an obvious one but you know i mean for anybody who knows me i have no shortage of ideas that never do anything and so <laughs> podcast a podcast was one of those <clears throat> but after uh, meeting jason in, in cleveland and he also this doesn't sound creepy at all showed up at my hotel room at about midnight and we, and we did the podcast <laughs> he got together you in a dark hour. corner and then showed up at your hotel yeah, room this time he just okay. pinned me in my room did you give him yeah, a key right much. there <laughs> and i hadn't had anything to drink i was a willing participant yeah, but, yeah uh, he was sober at that point <laughs> yeah so but jason uh jason came over and he put me on his show on the the creative south podcast and uh you know which was actually my first and only podcast i've been on outside of this one and so uh but that sort of thing was you know just the i guess you know to keep it in context the egg i needed to start moving forward on the podcast so when i got back home after cleveland which was really good for me in a lot of ways cleveland you know i came home pretty inspired and feeling good but you know from all the people we'd met um when i came home you know we started ruminating on this idea of a podcast and putting something together and uh i think we had kind of talked, yeah, we'd to talked about, about it before, before but you know but, nothing ever came yeah. from it and then but after this i was extra motivated so i sat down and me and mike are always kind of scheming and working on things and and so we decided podcast and voila here we have a podcast <laughs> so but you guys uh the the listeners and everybody else has jason to blame for that yep it's all his so, fault anyway, so like i so said then, I'm, I'm either very excited about that or i'm very sorry depending on how this goes <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so the reason for a co-show or the reason we're doing this together is a, a podcast uh, that's basically going to be published on our network and on uh, the Creative South Podcast Network here mm -hmm. uh, at some point is um, that recently sort of like, you know, a couple months back, J uh, Jason had hit me up about being on Creative South again, which I was really excited to do. And uh I hit him back and, you know, Mike and I had been doing the podcast for a little while then. And so it just occurred to me, hey, why don't we try and do one of these collaborative shows where we where we do together? You know, that way both because I know Jason's a busy guy and we're busy. And, you know, if we could do one show that pleased them all, then uh, then that wouldn't be a bad thing. Sure. Two birds, and one so, stone. Exactly. And so that's what we decided to do. Um, after a couple scheduling faux pas and reschedules and things like that, we finally made it happen. And our first recorded show, the the first rec recorded eggs show of 2018 is here with our pal Jason. Yeah. I couldn't be more happy. So gotcha. welcome from our side. Yeah. Now, well, thank you. Like and, 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 and thank you for joining me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I got to give you credit here because when you suggested the co-show i hadn't thought of doing something like that before and now this is know, third or fourth one i've done um oh, and they're a lot of fun the first one was <laughs> the first one was nerve-wracking and just complete mass chaos um with some buddies of mine on a podcast called creatoring and creatoring that's a cool name yeah and they've got a really loose format show to begin with and they're both fun and they they take pride in their weirdness. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't match it. Um, my wife may argue with that, but um, <laughs> at least, at least most of the time I can't match it, but it, it was fun. It was at times like hurting cats, but in a good way. 
Um, so yeah, and we'll do our to, best. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm a notorious stepper on her like that example just then. <laughs> and so I will, I do I will, it too. yeah, I will constantly be stepping on you. However, in the, in the spirit of hurting those cats, we'll, uh, we'll try and allow you to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and for those, yeah, I mean, we're, we're on opposite ends of the country right now too. So it is difficult, you know, not being in person and not having a video feed at this moment. We just have audio. Yeah. And so it's difficult cause I can't read that Jason's about to speak. I just, you know, I can't shut up. So I end up talking over everyone. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's normal though. So we're used to it. <laughs> I know. So, so you guys use Zencaster and that is one feature that I really wish that they had is just a video feed. So you could like, I, you know, I, I, everything I, I love about Zencaster. To... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think there's a way to do it. I just haven't dabbled with it. They well, have something I, where you can attach Skype to it, but I don't know if the bandwidth's a problem or, or what. Yeah, we just have, we I've just done it with Skype, on. and the bandwidth ends up being an issue, and things get out of sync, and it gets weird. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's what I, but I love what Zencaster does. So, Well, they're not 100% either. I've had some nightmares with them where it turns mm-hmm. into four or five hours of editing just because it's... Well, and see, that's the thing. Like we, when we began this show, so like we did one or two shows in person and then I went to Spain for uh, five and a half weeks or six weeks. And so, yeah, so we did the show (laughs) from Spain for like six weeks and we did it over Zencaster and it really accommodated for me being gone and being really far away to boot. And, uh, and so it worked pretty darn good. So we started just like, you know, ranting and raving about how great Zencaster was. I even, uh, like the week after I got back, I went down to Adam Carolla's podcast class podcast master class or whatever it was Ooh. called and uh and i went down and i even pitched it to his uh to uh adam carolla's producer this mm-hmm. guy dawson and uh i told him i was like hey man this is the best thing it'll revolutionize everything it'll change your life and then like a few weeks later we were using it and we were like so out of sync yeah it, it, we were getting these weird glitches in the audio where you'd hear like a, a fuzz mm-hmm. and then like it would push the audio for that work on whichever side it had the issue off by like three seconds. So you'd have some weird delay. And the only way I was able to kind of get it back in sync was my headphone bleed. I could hear the other guy talking in my, in my mic and I was able Mm. to kind of adjust the audio over to where it needed to be. But yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've had to do that a few times and I'm, I'm not an audio expert. So that, uh, that gets nerve wracking for me. Oh yeah. It's not fun. All right. Well, to get out of sort of the podcast weeds, sure. Let's, let's, I mean, for me, it's wildly interesting. I just, I don't know. Everybody else. else, It might not be. Yeah. So, but so let's, uh, let's ask sort of the first, uh, you know, legitimate question of you, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, how you came into the design world, all that stuff. Sure. Um, you know, I, I kind of grew up all over the place, uh, mostly raised in the Midwest. And then, but I've been down in the South for longer than I was ever in the Midwest now. Um, I guess I date myself when I say something like that. <laughs> um, but I was always the artistic kid. I always sucked at sports, um, I, I, you know, especially anything that involved a ball or um, or a puck or anything like that. I just eye hand coordination is not my strong suit. Um, but I, so I always liked drawing and sketching and was was a pretty nerdy kid at that. So you know, again, dating myself, you know, I came up when the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was just coming out. Oh and, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say that I had one. <laughs> the, the little uh what was it the 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 
joystick was no, it? No, yeah, the, yeah, the little joystick. The and, yeah, joystick. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, they got advanced the next round that had a little dial thing that was. What was it Night Rider? Was that the game? I had uh, my favorite oh, one was I Pitfall. I like yeah, Pitfall. Pitfall was Pitfall and Joust were my favorite games. Yeah, Joust was good, and I can't remember was Dig Dug on that too. Maybe know. Dig Dug was a little um, newer. I think you could get a Dig Dug on there. Yeah, Dig Dug was my jam too. I like that one. Yeah. So so yeah, I grew up then. I was I was kind of nerdy, but um, I actually had so my my history with the Mac goes back to um, because my eye hand coordination is so bad. When we started taking like typing classes and all, and handwriting and things like that, I just I was horrible at it. So I don't know. I don't remember this part, but a teacher or principal or somebody recommended that my parents get a computer, and this was right when the Mac came out. The like Apple first Mac. or the or no no the, no, no the the Apple first Mac. Oh, okay. Yeah, this this is me dating myself. This is 1984, <laughs> 1985. And no I'm, worries, there's no judgment. Yeah. The I'm, I'm 10 years and... old at this point. We got that. And I just, I, I loved playing on it because even at that point, there was a drawing program on there and I could draw on the computer. And nice. I never, like, I never did much with it. And then, you know, school goes on and I'm still taking art classes, but I'm never doing anything on the computer. And then I get to college and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And, you know, I go in right out the gates declaring that advertising is going to be what I want to do. And thankfully didn't stray too far from that. But, you know, long story short, there was an extended hiatus. And when I got back in school, I decided to be a graphic design major and then, you know, went through college got my degree um, and right out the gate went to work in the glamorous world of print production which yeah you know I will say the one good thing that came out of there is I met my wife so. <laughs> well, hey, that's better than most people get. Most people just get, you know, get a the, paycheck the ink and you can never it. wash off. Or the, <laughs> well, I wasn't you know. that far into the, the print production. I oh, still was, was playing was on the computer. on the digital side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I mean, I had to make plates every once in a while, but very rarely. Um, so, yeah, so did that. was there for about a year, and it just paid so horribly that I had to move on. Um, and my wife and I weren't dating at that point. It was about a year after that that we started dating um and then i just had held kind of a series of jobs working in agencies or um a couple failed startups things like that bouncing around until i found um the world of in-house and i've been i've had a few in-house roles but my current role i work for a engineering firm like not software engineering but build stuff mechanical chemical civil structural that type of engineering where I'm the uh, creative director and I've been there for six years now it'll be six uh, years in May how is it working you know like as a creative in an analytical world you know, engineers, I mean, they're, they're pretty straightforward. It's, you know, it has to be like this and then, you know, being creative and actually, I guess it's two different things, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, you it's, have- it's, it's challenging. It's, it's, it's taught me a lot about pitching stuff. Um, because, 
I'm trying to find a way to say it where it doesn't sound like I'm talking bad about engineers. Uh, <laughs> or you in case anyone lose your listening. job. Yeah, well, exactly. Where don't lose my job. Um, <laughs> where it's no, different parts of like, the brain, though, so it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's different parts of the brain. So engineers, while they have, they can envision how a structure is going to go together or how these schematics are going to work and come to create something, which isn't something that I can do. I can't look. I look at the stuff and it's like that's just a bunch of lines and numbers overlapping each other. I have no idea what the hell that means. But on the opposite side of that, when I'm, you know, taking an ad to them or taking logo design or something like that to them, they can't necessarily visualize the use cases of how it would be used across different platforms now, things like that. So I've got to be very good at internally pitching things to those clients. Um, so I've got to explain it a lot. I've got to, you know, show examples of things mocked up. So it, it's gotten me pretty decent at pitching things. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, in advertising or any, you know, sort of creative field, that's a, a huge thing to be good at. Yeah. So, cause I know for a lot of people that doesn't come easy. Uh, a lot of the creatives I know myself included are just, you know, uh, pitching and doing that sort of work isn't really our forte. <laughs> so. Oh, it's my least favorite part of the job. <laughs> I will say that. Well, it's not my least favorite part of the job. My least favorite part of the job is doing budgets, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but after that, it's my least favorite part of the job. Cause I, I mean, I like get sweaty palms every time beforehand and, you know, get, worked up and frustrated and I'm just worried that they're not going to grasp it or I'm not going to explain it well and you know sometimes that happens and more often than not it doesn't now after having been there for so long but it does happen yeah okay so from there now I know you as uh, from the Creative South podcast that's how I met you or the context I met you in but so how does all that work like what's your relationship with Creative South why is there a podcast like how did that come to be that sort of thing (laughs) we have talked uh, in the last few episodes of of our show about uh, the Creative South conference that's coming Mm -hmm. up uh, because we we plan to attend unless we procrastinate too much longer but Uh, uh, yeah don't procrastinate much longer there's I mean, there's still plenty of tickets left, so go out and get yeah. yours. So, but it is it is our grand but, plan to but attend. I, the reason I say don't procrastinate is because hotels will sell out before tickets will sell out. Oh, um, but good from what I understand, there's some decent Airbnbs right in the downtown areas. So. Yeah, I was looking a little bit. Um, I, I actually needed to get in, into the Creative South website and do some looking just to see where the venues were. So, because I was looking at Airbnb yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, trying to find a spot, because uh, we were actually thinking, and uh, you know, we we need we were going to try and maybe bring the show on the road and meet some people. Oh, and yeah, so, do it. Uh, so we were thinking about trying we'll to find an that. Air, Airbnb. We'll talk about we, something yeah. about that afterwards too. Perfect. Cool. So anyway, yeah. So, but so yeah. Talk. Uh, tell me about how you got involved with Creative South, the organization, I guess, and then when the podcast came about and how that happened. Sure. So my first year, I my wife and I actually won tickets to our first um, Creative South back in 2014. Um, and and I, I've told this story a bunch before. And I realize your listeners may not have heard it, so I'll, but I'll give the short story. Um, Peter Del Tondo, who's on staff with it, was giving away tickets through a side project of his. And I had learned about Creative South maybe two weeks before um, that he was giving out the tickets because – there's a there's another kind of webcast called uh, Design Recharge with with Diane Gibbs. Um, oh, I actually I was listening to her podcast with you 
earlier yeah. today to gather some information on you. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, she lives like 15 minutes away from me. So, but, um, so I was, you know, watching that. I learned about Creative South. And then like two weeks later, Peter's on there and he's talking about that he's giving away tickets. So just on a lark, not thinking that I'd win because I never win anything. Um, put in for it and technically i was not the first winner i was like the fourth winner but the first four people that he called uh because it was such short notice couldn't get off work or couldn't arrange anything to be able to get up to columbus and go to the conference so thank you for all of those people who couldn't make it. I'm sorry that you weren't <laughs> able to, but I'm really happy that you weren't able to as well. Well, so you, so you um, have them to blame for the podcast. I do. So, <laughs> yeah. So the first year my wife and I went up there, we weren't even able to get up there for the full conference. Like we got up there the Friday that it started and had to leave midway through the Saturday that it ended. So we missed the kickoff party that's every Thursday night and we missed kind of the wrap up because it was such short notice. We were like scrambling to get, you know, in-laws and my parents and all to watch the kids and, you know, find yeah, a hotel room to that. and all of that stuff. And it just, it ended up working out and it, I'm so grateful that it did. But the first year that we went, Tina, that's my wife. She and I were kind of wallflowers, and we—the only people that we knew were um, Diane, who at that point, even though I lived 15 minutes away from her, I had never actually met her in person at that point. And I'd been interacting with her on social media for probably at least a year at that point. And then Peter, who we won the tickets from, and then I had seen Mike on the on his episode, so I knew what he looked like. Uh-huh. So we got up there where, you know, we, we had fun. We were still kind of wallflowers. And as we were leaving, like, to, to head home, I ran into Mike in the hallway and I just, you know, stopped him and thanked him. And, you know, Mike's a big guy. Mike's six four, three hundred pounds. Well, oh, wow. he's the one that greets you on the website when you uh, log yeah. in to get tickets. And yeah, no, yep, up yep, and says, yep, that's Mike. And, and <laughs> yeah. he's he's a hugger. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm a hugger too, but he's... Yeah, that's He's a serious. Not always hug. aware of his size. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no funny Mike story. So now I don't, I don't know him at all, right? And right. Uh, and I was on Creative South's website. It was right before tickets went on sale, and that little thing popped up in the corner. And it's a, and uh, he's got it's you know an automated thing that pops up, and you mm-hmm. know it's a way of contacting them. And uh, and so it pops up, and it's got a little thumbnail of Mike's image, right? And he's got a beard and a hat on, you know, kind of a rugged looking dude. And so this thing pops up, and it says, you know, hey, can I help you or whatever. And you know, I was just being a smart ass like I tend to be. And so I replied to it. I was like, no, you're scary looking. I don't want to talk to you or something like that. <laughs> well, so, well, moments later, I get a thing from him saying, oh, hey, no, I'm not scary. I promise. No, he's and, a big teddy bear. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, so I got talking to him about uh, about Creative South tickets. But yes, even uh, from afar and via thumbnail, I was frightened of Mike. So, yeah. Well, so. thankfully, he smiles all the time. So it takes away the scary a lot. Oh, good. Well, yes. and there's another Mike Jones. <laughs> out there that's a rapper that has big grills on his teeth yeah so we should photoshop something and <laughs> um i think if you go on the web and search for that you can actually find someone who has done that. oh too late um, yeah he, he gets that one a lot yeah. um not necessarily no the grills on the teeth but the the, the jokes the Mike about Mike Jones. Jones. yeah <laughs> who <laughs> um 
so yeah, so the first year we went, we kind of like that. I saw him, you know, we saw Mike as we were running out. He gives a big bear hug, um, and which just like, I'm not a big guy. I'm five nine, you know, on a good day when I've been laying down for a long time. <laughs> um, and and you know, his hug just like engulfs you. Um, so so you know. It, we were already sold on it at that point. We knew we were coming back. The next year we came back, we were a lot more gregarious, a lot more outgoing, made a point to actually meet people and actually meet people, yeah. find all the people that we had. I mean, it's not that we didn't meet people the first year that we were up there, but you know, we met them, we connected with them online. So we were chatting via Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And, and, and keeping in touch over that entire year. Um, so the next year we went and it was just even more so and met even more people and connected even deeper because we actually took the time to like go out and, you know, go outside of our comfort zone and talk with people and, you know, invite strangers to lunch or, or invite ourselves to lunch with other people, which is completely <laughs> acceptable there. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. So, um, so yeah, so that's going through and then we get back and I've got a buddy who lives down here who has been big into podcasts for a while and has just always kind of been listening and decided to start his own podcast network. And he kept trying to push me into doing something. I was like, I don't have anything to say. What would I say? And I got about halfway through the year and realized, hey, I'm already talking to all these designers that you know are pretty decent level designers every day anyways whether it's through dms or just publicly on twitter or facebook or or even a slack channel that we have and i was like well i don't have to make it about me i can just interview these people and have a conversation with them and get to know them and put that out there so i reached out to mike um and and we mike and i had become friends at this point so it wasn't like just this you're not just randomly out of blue. Hey, yeah. you give me a hug. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We, we become friends at this point. And I was like, hey, what would you think about having a podcast? And then he gets back to me within like five minutes. And he's like, funny you should say that. We were just having to talk about that. Is it something you would want to do? I was like, yeah, that's the reason I was reaching out to you. <laughs> not Not thinking that this would happen within a matter of about two weeks. Like I reached out to him pretty much either right before or right after Thanksgiving. And within the next few days, he was like, well, what do you need? What what type of co- – and like I hadn't even researched any of that stuff yet. My, right. my idea of a podcast was, hey, we should do a podcast. That was <laughs> that was all I knew about it. <laughs> it was well, like, really oh, I can get it on part. iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> So within two weeks, like I've I've figured out how to do the hosting, how to get everything up online, figured out the RSS feeds, all that nerdy technical stuff, figuring out what what's the best microphone that's in a reasonable price range that I can afford. What'd you end um, up using? I use a um a, a, a blue yeti. Okay. Um and that, that is a popular this, one among the the creative community. Many, it, it really uh, is, and it's it's it a really like solid a lot of guys mic. Are using that. I'm, I'm those, probably going to upgrade. USB, right? They yeah, it's a USB a, mic. Okay. I'm probably going to upgrade here to uh, Hyo Pro uh, PR40 um, in the next couple of months or so. I'm just um, counting my money and 
figure it <laughs> out. I mean, I've got sponsorship money and stuff like that that I could use to it, but I also want to get like you know t-shirts and things like that for that. So I'm <laughs> yeah. sure I'm trying to figure out the balance of it. Of do I want to wait or do I want to do this? So, um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm I will eventually upgrade, but I'm not exactly sure when yet. So yeah. So it it was up and running, and I was recording. Like I had all my equipment in about two weeks, and then Christmas hit, and but two between Christmas and New Year's, I had recorded two episodes. I had recorded one with Lenny Terenzi, um, who's also on staff with Creative South and runs Hey Monkey Design out of um, Raleigh, North Carolina, and then I'd recorded one with Mike. Nice. Um, and then right after New Year's, I you know started making a point and I started like recording a ton and I didn't put any out like I I purposely didn't put any out until the beginning of March. Was that I gave just myself so you had a back catalog and you had some buffer to go on? Yeah, I gave myself a two month window because I knew that I had to figure out like how do I edit properly. Like I I had a basic understanding of how to edit because I've edited some video stuff for work and things like that, but I'd never really directly edited audio. And I knew that there was going to be like audio correction and stuff like that that I needed to figure out. And it was going to take me a while. And I knew that those first few episodes were going to take me a while to figure out, to, you know, really get that editing process down. So, so I want to first few. So uh, sorry to cut you off. That's yeah, no, you know, no. what, what I do as we talked about. Um, so from the first few episodes to more than a hundred. So congrats on yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, cause that's a pretty significant milestone. I, I'm not sure most podcasts make it that far. They, uh, <laughs> Probably most, not. M- most of them that start out as the, Hey, we should have a podcast. Five yeah. in. They're yeah. like, this is a Usually lot of Usually get to two or three and that's about it. <laughs> so, but what's changed for you for, uh, between now and then? Like, I mean, how has the show evolved? Uh, have you learned anything any pointers oh let's see uh the show has probably not evolved as much as it should have um and, and i mean that as far as like the format goes uh the format's well, pretty similar good there's no reason to change it you know? yeah the format's pretty similar to when i've started it's you know i'll i'll i've experimented with going outside of it and this is this is my comfort zone this is my wheelhouse and this is what seems to be connecting. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, like you said. Yep. Um, but I think my interview skills have improved. I've gotten better at listening. Um, and not not in the way where I'm like listening and waiting to say something that I thought of. Where I'm actually right. actively listening to the conversation and responding appropriately and not trying not trying to because when I first started, I thought and this can sound egotistic, but I think I'm a pretty funny guy most of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, or at least I can be funny. And I thought, well, this will be fun. I'll have funny interjections and things like that. But I realized by me trying to do that, I wasn't listening. You're just derailing the conversation more than anything. Yeah, yeah. So so I went back and I I stopped trying to be funnier. Yeah, and Mike think, was looking at me when he said that. I think I think he's trying to say something. Way to go, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that I don't like every once in a while, you know, try to be funny in something, but it's sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing, I, I still right? Try to be it's, me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's supposed to be entertaining, but I mean, yes, at the same time, exactly. it's you, and and you know, that's part of the the fun, right? I mean, you're talking about format and things like that, but I mean, part of your format 
is just the way you do the show. That is your format. You know, it exactly. doesn't need to be super regimented or whatever. I mean, it just is what it is. And I think that, you know, it's fun. People like it. I mean, like for me, I liked how casual it was and how easy it was to, you know, just bust it out. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's one of those things that seems to be happening with the internet is that it's not important that everything is highly polished, highly produced all the time. You know, it can be on the fly recorded oh, yeah. in, a, in a corner in a bar. And as long as the content's okay, it's fine. You know, yeah. it really doesn't need to be mega high def, fully done in a studio or whatever. You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, maybe the internet has done that for us. But Well, that's why I always laugh when it comes to podcasting. When you see these people out there and they're selling these thousand dollar classes to go out and learn the best in audio engineering technique and da, 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 da. So I'm like, <laughs> it's a podcast it's getting broadcast in off the internet then through somebody's phone where it's been compressed down again and you know it's 192 kilobytes at best yeah. this isn't the you know this isn't lossless quality this isn't high def sound this is through a phone through somebody's ear earbuds you know it doesn't have to be perfect you know, I'm well, not saying and, go out and make it. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, in some cases, the only option you have to record someone is through a phone or through, yeah. a, you know, like a an iPhone little tiny mic. And yeah. some of those, even if you EQ it right and kind of get it sit, dialed in, it still sounds pretty good. Yeah, you can so. get decent. I mean, honestly, you can get decent sound from just about anything nowadays. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, and, and some of my favorite podcasts that I've listened to have been, like you said, have been recorded in a bar. And it's two guys sitting around talking over beers. And yep. yeah. and you can hear the background noise and you can hear the glasses clinking and you can hear all of that stuff. Yeah, no, we did and a show back in... it doesn't take away from the sound. Yeah, it's great. In fact, I think a lot of times it adds to it. We did a show back in November with this guy, Desi Valentine, mm-hmm. that's a musician, and we were invited backstage to do our interview with him. Well, while we were backstage, the other band that he was playing with uh, was on stage sound checking. Oh, and wow. so you could hear the music from the, you know, the other band playing, like, bleed through on our mics. Sure. And... Uh, but like when I go back and listen to that show, like it just feels so raw and so like full of character, you know? Mm. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm super proud of that one. And part of it was those guys messing up our sound. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so really like you're saying that ambience can, can add to it a lot of times. Yeah. What about you guys? How did you get, um, started in the podcasting stuff? I, I, mm. I mean, I know you kind of said that you got started after I'd had you on my show, but we had uh we had been talking about doing it for a while and yeah, we uh, were the hey we want a podcast guys and we, we were just <laughs> always talking about it and never doing it and sure. uh you know, I have a background in audio and, and music and, and stuff like that. So it was kind of a shoe in to go ahead and just do it. It was uh-huh. just a matter of committing and actually doing it the first time. Well, and what's great about like our setup is that we're sort of two halves of a whole, right? So Mike has the audio engineering expertise and that sort of background, and I'm more on the visual uh, marketing side. Uh-huh. And so um, between the two of us, you know, Mike can record and, and engineer the, the sound while I produce the album artwork and publish on social media and do the writing and things like that. And so we actually make a pretty nice little combination. And by being able to sort of divide our workload a little bit that way, uh, it's not too much burden for either one of us. Now, I will say there've been a couple instances where it's been more burden on Mike because of (laughs) technical problems or things like that. But in general, I feel like we were able to sort of divide and conquer pretty well. Sure. Yeah. So go ahead. 
Oh, no, I, I was trying to just feed in when I didn't need to. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. He was trying to be funny, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so but to, to get a little bit more into our background, so uh, as you met me at a creative conference, I, right. I come from an advertising and marketing background. Uh, I run a little marketing agency called R2 Media Group. And uh, actually, you can go back and listen to that first show, the first uh, my my first podcast ever uh, with Jason uh, was somewhere. I, I fell between episodes thirty seven and thirty eight. Called thirty seven and a half. Thirty seven and a half <laughs> uh, of the creative South podcast. So if you go back and check that out, it's uh, live from WMC Fest uh, right after episode thirty seven. Um, but you can go back and get sort of the long version of my story. Uh, but basically, I I was sort of born into art and design. I've always been a, an artist in one variety or another. Um, and, uh, and so for me, I, even though I do some drawing and painting and things like that, uh, fine art wasn't probably really ever a good fit for me. Um, sure. I'm trying now later in life to go back and learn a few more skills in those areas. But, uh, as a younger person, uh, that was pretty low priority for me and commercial art seemed like, or it seemed, it seemed like a, <laughs> seemed like a better fit. Seemed to it me. Is a good word. Yeah. It seemed like a better fit to me. And so, um, you know, and it's funny cause as I was listening, Listening to you know a, a number of different guests on your program, uh, on the Creative South podcast, they uh, it seems like us and, and you included all sort of get into it the same way. It's like we're all we're all artsy, but we need to make money with it, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and so so that sort of was was my direction. Artsy as well. yet practical is like how I like to refer to it. Yeah, so I uh, went to university and everything, uh, and and took a marketing and advertising program. Uh, they didn't actually have a design program at the university I was at. There was some design sure. courses as a part of the advertising program, but um, but I went from there to working for a guy named Don Aslett, who's a, a well-known publisher of books and he's had several New York Times bestsellers and things like that. And I went to work mm -hmm. for him. Uh, they initially had hired me as a receptionist, and uh, which is weird. The glamorous I'm design not, life that receptionist yeah, right? is. And so, but on my first day, uh, the person who I, I worked with, there was just two of us in, in his little shop, uh, asked me, you know, if I knew anything about Photoshop, she was trying to make a little graphic for one of Don's like, books. Do and, I? and I was like, huh, <laughs> well, you know, at that point I had some experience with it. And I mean, I, I've certainly come a long way since then, but I, I had some understanding. So I sat down and I was able to create what she needed. And that was sort of, a. I don't know, a uh, aha moment. Yeah. The aha moment or the wrecking ball of truth that led to more and more creative work and less and less receptionist work. And uh, <laughs> so I had a really great opportunity to lay out some, some books and build websites. And uh, I ran the mail order business and the catalog and everything for him. So I really got to dabble in about a hundred different disciplines on his dime. Oh wow! And, uh, and I'm super grateful for that experience. Uh, in fact, anytime I get a chance to see the guy, I still try and track him down. Uh, he's in, his eighties now. So he's a little easier to catch, but, uh, <laughs> doesn't run as fast. Yeah. So anyway, so, but at some point, uh, I was working for him and through one circumstance or another, uh, there was a layoff. And at the time, at that moment, there were three of us in the company and two of us got cut and one stayed behind. And, uh, so I got cut, but lucky for me, I had been freelancing a little bit at night mm -hmm. and, uh, and sort of just fell into that. I had enough of a clientele, uh, that I was able to sort of sustain that and just went to work on my own. And even though I'd been laid off there, he, he gave me some office space that he didn't charge me for. 
and uh, allowed me to stay in his building so that I could continue to work as a freelancer. And well, that's awesome. Yeah. And then whenever he had a project, he'd kick up my way. Well, wasn't he one of your best clients after that? Yeah, for years. He was one yeah. of my top clients. Him and a couple of his partners were some of my top clients. And uh, and yeah, and basically that was sort of a, a big part of the evolution of my company. Um, Mike and I uh, had sort of some common interests in, uh, in that we were both big music fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was touring with a lot of bands and things like that and doing concert posters for everybody. And, uh, at, you know, anybody who's worked with bands know that they notoriously have no money, yeah. which makes them not great clients. <laughs> and, yeah, my, um, my first client uh, was my roommate's band. So I'm well yeah, aware. So you can relate. And so, and for me, what eventually happened, and this is what sort of nudged me into freelance was just, I was doing so many posters for so many bands and not charging anybody that I finally had to start charging. You know, that was the only way to sort of beat them back was, uh, to ask, you know, charge money for it. And then that and, sort of, and by out. charging money, he's like, yeah, it's like 20 bucks, bucks or something, you know, it was, <laughs> but it was enough. To, it was enough to shake most of the river Your money. Yeah. Pretty and much. so, uh, time goes on and, uh, I'm on the road with this band called the Codmouth Kings and, uh, they're playing my hometown of Pocatello, Idaho. And, uh, Mike, uh, just by happenstance was brought in by the club to provide additional lighting and sound for the show. And, uh, you know, it was love at first sight. And so we, we basically piled up then and, uh, have, have been in one degree or another of trouble ever since. Yeah. Essentially I just wouldn't leave them alone. Gotcha. So Mike, what's your background? Um, I, I've been a DJ, um, since I was 14. I, um, when I was 14, we had these church dances that we'd go to and, uh, went in there one time and DJ was this old man playing, you know, old time rock and roll for 14 year old kids that didn't like it. And so (laughs) I went in and, uh, asked to see if I could do it. And they had a whopping budget of 150 bucks a night to, to DJ these dances. Hey, I would still take that money. You know what? As a 14 year old kid, it, sure was awesome yeah um and so i talked to my dad uh took out a a loan and bought some speakers and a couple cd players and uh started doing these church dances and uh by the time i was 16 i was doing weddings and all sorts of fun stuff actually the the first wedding i ever dj'd uh, i couldn't even drive my uh (laughs) dad dropped me off and picked me up and it was (laughs) it was embarrassing but you know is what it is um um, and then uh, down the road, I kind of um, got into doing more lighting and um, kind of higher end uh, clients. Um, I moved down to Phoenix and after I met Ryan and, and did the that show, um, I kind of ended up in Phoenix and uh, was working for this company called Rock the World Entertainment. Uh-huh. And uh, we did these uh like high dollar proms. So we'd go into a, a high school and, and, you know, it'd be, um, you know, a gymnasium. And by the time we're done with it, it'd be a full on nightclub. Um, oh, geez. And we, we'd hang lights from the rafters and, you know, they'd give us like a $15,000 budget to come in and do their prom. And, Jeez. uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, did that for a few years. Um, it, because I had access to all that equipment, I started uh, 
promoting shows uh, in a few venues down there with bands. And uh, since we had the lighting and stuff like that, pretty soon our shows were the uh, like the premiere, the one to get into. So all the bands wanted to be on our bill once a month just because it made them look like rock stars. <laughs> and uh, did that for a while and um, ended up moving to Seattle. Went to school for uh, recording arts. Uh, I kind of just working with the bands, it intrigued me. I uh, had a few bands that went through uh, the recording process uh, down at Phoenix, and I kind of sat through it with them, and it was just really interesting. So when I found out that one of the colleges in Seattle had a really good program, I went through it, and now that's what I do. <laughs> awesome. So, Yeah. So, um, so, so Ryan, I, I, I realize I cut you off kind of mid, mid your story, but get, <laughs> getting okay. back I was, to that. I was droning on. <laughs> so, so getting back to that, you, you go out on your own freelancing and I'm not sure how to phrase this. So your company, it has office in yep, Salt Lake City. Yep. So we're located in Barcelona. So, that's right. How does that happen? Well, and so, and again, I'll refer people back to uh, our episode of the Creative South podcast because sure. I gave you this long form. But basically, <laughs> uh, we have, uh, uh, our our boys have been in Spanish immersion elementary school since they were little kids. Uh, our oldest is a fifth grader now, but they've both been in it since kindergarten. Gotcha. And uh, a few years back, we hosted a girl from... Uh, Barcelona, who came out here as a teacher Mm -hmm. and uh, needed a host family. And so we uh, offered up our home and she stayed with us. And uh, her name's Anna and she's still my partner over there. And uh, basically what happened is she had begun life as a designer, but because of the economic situation in Spain, she switched gears and went into education. Uh, A teaching job over there is uh, basically government work. You get a pension. It's everything else. It's a really good job. And so it made sense for her to switch into teaching uh, because the future path in Spain (laughs) with horrible unemployment and everything else is really poor for a designer. You know, it's a a lot more difficult slog. So... um, Um, So she switched gears and decided to do that. Well, while she was living with us, uh, at the time I was working for an agency and then I was running my business at night. And so she, living in our house, had sort of a front row view of the crap I was working on every night when I left the agency. And uh, so for about six months prior to her returning to Spain, she worked with me just about every night Mm -hmm. on different little projects, you know, designing everything from business cards to websites, whatever. And, um, And it really sort of rekindled her interest in design. And, uh, at the time she decided to go, well, not decided to go home at the side, at the time her program was finished and she was going back to Spain, we offered her a full-time job. And, uh, and so she basically took our company over to Barcelona with her. At this point we have her and just one other designer over there. And then, uh, and then we're sort of HQ or sort of headquartered here in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So anyway, so what's really cool about it is it gives us more or less an 18 to 20 hour work day, uh, because of the time difference. And so it gives us a a lot of bandwidth, a lot of flexibility and, uh, some sort of a kind of a unique niche that, uh, our clients just love. So you're able to kind of just have the work ready to go. They get it 90% of the way done overnight. You wake up and just do it. Yeah. More or less. Cause basically, you know, let's say a project comes into me at 10 in the morning we work on it during the day, you know, at six o'clock, we hand it off to the folks over in Spain mm-hmm. at our midnight, they're up and working again. And, uh, you know, and by the time we get back into work in the morning, it's more or less ready to go. And so we can do sort of rapid turn 
projects that, you know, domestically based agencies have a lot of time, uh, a hard time keeping up with just because, you know, you can't slave drive your people overnight, but because sure. the, the, we have an eight hour time difference from Utah to Barcelona, uh, basically we can be, you know, we can cram two shifts into one day. So it's gotcha. kind of a, a, a little competitive advantage we've got. Gotcha. Well, I know another thing that you did this past year is you spent a lot of time in Boston for some clients. How does when when you've got to go on the road and spend so much time? How does that work? Because, like you said, you've got a wife and kids, and you know they're yeah. going to school and all that. How, well, and how yeah, that and that work? was that was definitely kind of a hairy situation. I went out there. I think it's okay to say I was I was out there working for a company called Aetna, which is a big you know uh, yeah insurance company health insurance company, and uh, I was out there working. Uh, with uh, them uh, through one of our clients. So our okay. agency has a client w- that's a much larger agency than ours. Mm-hmm. And they are the agency of record or one of the agencies of records for uh, Aetna Medicare. And so they uh, brought me in this year to help out with that. And basically, yeah, I was I was out in Boston for two and a half months wow. uh, w- working on uh, the Medicare launch and, and just having sort of FaceTime with uh, the top brass there at Aetna. And uh, it was a really cool opportunity opportunity. And yeah, as you, as you sort of mentioned, I mean, it's, it's complicated with a wife and kids and mm-hmm. yeah, the agency I work for, uh, we had to, you know, broker kind of a sweetheart deal to make, uh, make it work with my wife. Sure. Um, and the agency was very accommodating, uh, to my family. They provided us with, uh, some childcare, like a nanny to drive the kids to and from school and things like that. And, uh, they well, really they, did all they could to accommodate the family. They also flew you back and forth quite a bit. Yeah. Too. I also got to, yeah, I could go back and forth, uh, mm-hmm. each weekend. Um, you know, there were a few weekends I stayed out there just to do some exploring, but, uh, but they really did kind of go above and beyond to, to make it as easy as they could. Now my wife teaches in a high school or a junior high. And so mm-hmm. she's, uh, you know, got a very busy schedule also. So it was, it was difficult, but, uh, but because of the, the help they helped arrange and some other things like that, uh, we also had a mother-in-law come down and stay for part of the time. And that was really, uh, helpful for my wife. So, gotcha. but you know, I've got to say, I mean, I'm just, I'm lucky to have sort of a, an understanding wife who sort of puts up with my crap. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, she actually bends over a lot uh, for, yeah, Mike's been want to rephrase that. that. Yeah. Oh, well, no. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is a, this is a family show. Let's Sorry. keep this PG. What are you doing? She, she, <laughs> she's been amazing. I'm there all the time. And just the fact that she puts up with me being there all the time and me stealing him at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night to do a podcast. I mean, she's, mm-hmm. she's great when it yeah, comes to that. Yeah, she's really good. So. And, and, you know, Mike's been around long enough to witness most of this crap, but I mean, when we, when she and I got married, I didn't even have a real job. Uh, I started with that Aslet character uh, a couple mm-hmm. months after we got married and, uh, and I was touring around with a bunch of bands at the time. And so, I mean, I was sort of a rolling stone, all, you know, from the beginning, uh, sure. I, I really like to see the country and the world and, you know, and I've sort of been able to craft a, a business and a career that allows me the opportunity to do that. Uh, however, it, it wouldn't be possible if I had a, a wife who wasn't so flexible, so understanding and so willing to sort of work with me on that. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, 
you know, a, a fun ride. And, you know, and we try and make sure that the family gets out and, you know, I brought the family out to Boston for 10 days and, mm-hmm. you know, we oh, try wow. and do as much as we can together. We took them out to Spain mm-hmm. yeah. for a month. You uh, took them out there year. for that conference. And so, I mean, we, we try and do as much as we can together, but, you know, obviously it's not possible to pull the kids out of school all the time or whatever. So, sure. so having a, an accommodating family who's willing to sort of put up with my rolling stone-ness is, uh, you know, I, I think key to making that happen. Sure. I'm, I'm very lucky with that. My wife is a designer as well. So yeah, that's right. You guys actually kind of have a, you have a business together, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's called frosty, which (laughs) there's a long story behind that, but so frost, um, obviously your last name. Yes. And then Tiki Tiki is just like the good weather. (laughs) Like as in the Polynesian. Yeah. um, The Tiki man. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of stuff. So my wife's a, big fan of mid-century modern stuff and especially the polynesian culture stuff that i you can't even call it polynesian the faux polynesian culture that sprung <laughs> up around the you know 40s 50s and 60s um and and she brought me into that kicking and screaming at first and now i've fully embraced it um but we we started off frostiki shortly after we got married as a way to sell just mid-century modern sort of tiki design art prints and um greeting cards and i I did some pyrography pie pie i cannot say that wood burnings (laughs) Ah, yeah yeah some stuff like that and there's a big tiki festival that goes on every year in fort lauderdale at this place called the maikai that's a is it, i think it's 60 years old now and it's just this gorgeous gorgeous retro throwback well you can't even call it a throwback because it's all original of the you know 50s and 60s of the tiki culture and they have polynesian dancers and rum drinks that will kick your ass um, <laughs> nice. yeah well, that all have so, like secret recipes and stuff like that. So you've got so, a new website for this project. It's just frostiki.com and it's it's yep. spelled like it sounds. It's F-R-O-S-T-I-K-I.com. Yep. Uh, right now we've got a landing page up, but I did see the occasional Mai Tai written there. Yep. And, uh, and I am a big Mai Tai fan. Oh. So hopefully uh, we'll have to make the run out to Fort Lauderdale this year for the, the Mai Tais out there. Yeah, we're really hoping to uh, make it down there this year. So, well, so what is the, you know, and, and maybe this leads right into, I mean, sort of what we do a little bit with our show is we use uh, the metaphor of an egg to talk about a person's process from start to finish, you know, from mm-hmm. coop to table. And so maybe with Frostiki and, you know, being your egg, can you talk about any of the challenges you've had sort of getting that up and running? Uh, right now we've sure. got a, a coming soon, so I guess there's a site coming. <laughs> yeah, but, well, that, um, that's that's me being a uh, my own worst client. More <laughs> so, than well, yeah. There, yeah, there's a site client so so like i was saying for it started off where we were just selling tiki stuff and then we you know we had kids things came along and we just we weren't able to get out to the the festival as much as we wanted to and things like that so it just kind of sat dormant for a while and we owned the name we owned the trademark and we weren't doing anything with it and i hadn't because i've been in-house for so long i hadn't really been freelancing um, until about um, close to a year ago, a little less than a year ago. And I, I just I had something fall on my lap for freelancing and started 
kind of reignited the fire for that. And my wife has, since the kids came along, has been a full-time freelancer. Um, so she can work from home and take care of the kids and all that, as well as you know, burn the midnight oil and do design stuff. So I, I had this project that just fell into my lap, and it was bigger than I could do by myself. So my wife and I started working on it together. And that was, aside from us working together at the printing company, which is a much different situation. Um, we hadn't really worked together on stuff before. So even even with the first round of Frosty Q, it was her doing like stationary design and things like that, which is her passion, um, and me just doing kind of crafty, wood-burning sort of stuff that was just fun for me. Just an um, outlet. Yeah, it was just an outlet. It was a fun little hobby. Um it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> that equipment gets pricey. Um, but, you know, we we we, had, we were just, when it started off, we were just doing our own thing with it. And then, you know, it, like I said, it took that extended hiatus because kids came along and real life and all that stuff. And then when this freelance stuff came up and it was too big for me to work on myself and we're working together, we started talking about it of, do we want to make a go of this? Do we want to, you know, try to build this up so it's actually something? Um, and we've been doing that ever since. So for about the past year, we've been taking on new clients, and it's, I mean, it's not like moving at a rocket rocket pace, but it's not moving at a snail's pace either. It's um, it's steadily growing, and you know, we've we've got a couple really decent clients and a couple um, clients that, while they don't pay big bucks or anything. They're consistently, you know, three, four projects a month sending us stuff that, you know, is a few hundred to like a thousand dollars here and there. Yeah, um, well, so and, it's and just, clients like that are like, uh, you know, uh, the bread and butter of a, of a good freelance business. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's great. <clears throat> so we're just, oops. So we're just trying to grow that and make a go of it and, and build it up. And okay. So see where so that leads us. Tina. Yeah. So Tina, your wife is a designer mm -hmm. and so are you, um, do yes. your skill sets complement one another or like one of you, uh, an illustrator pro one's a Photoshop expert. Like, Hey, I mean, are there some complimentary things or you both, can you both just sort of drive on the same projects or do we you can have both, some sort so of, we can both drive on the same project. Um, I'm, I think I'm more of a technical illustration. I, I can do more technical illustration stuff than she does. It's um, all those, and, uh, engineers you're hanging around. Uh, I, literally it is I mean seriously because I've had to do so many things where I take stuff in and make it I mean it's not rendered but make it look presentable and sure. you know flat vector shapes that look cool um, versus just a CAD drawing so I you know I, I think that's more of my skill set more I'm, I'm more of a branding logo guy she's much more on the layout side of things um, and overall concepts and I, you know she's obviously has a more feminine touch than i do um well i shouldn't say obviously that's just that's just sexist <laughs> but i mean she's got How more feminine you. touch she's gonna she's better at softer things than i am and i'm i'm my drawing style is much more angular and things like that do you uh -huh. ever run into an issue where you can't decide on something and have to flip a coin or something to get the <laughs> no be I mean, on the couch <laughs> no no it's 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 usually just our biggest thing is well who's gonna have time to work on this one because we just took this on and that that's that's where we're 
that's where our growing pains are struggling. But I mean, it's when it comes to creative stuff and things like that, we haven't really butted heads or anything like that. Like I value her opinion. I'm pretty sure she values mine most days. Um, <laughs> and we, we, we work really well together better than I think we thought we would, which is why we had put it off for so long. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so I want to circle back um, just and touch on a couple last things before we wrap this baby up. Sure. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I think this was actually a question that you had uh, sent over to pose to us, but I'm curious about your take on it too. So maybe we can, <laughs> maybe we can both hit it. Is okay. where do you where do you want to take your podcast in the future? Like, what, what's the future plans for the Creative South podcast? So, future plans. Um, obviously, I want to grow it every year. Like, I, I'm. I'm well aware that it's a business for me, and it, it is an additional source of income. I, I get a little bit of sponsorship money. I'd like to obviously get more sponsors. Um, and, and as far as that, I'd like to branch out into doing a few other things. I want to go and get like all of my episodes transcribed and kind of go through – and I'm going to have to hire somebody to do this, but go through and have somebody go th- I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm literally fleshing this out of my head as we're talking. Go through <laughs> and take all of the relevant passages from each one where there's themes that coincide with each other and things like that and maybe form that into a book or something. Um, oh, cool. That's and, a fun idea. Yeah, because – well, I, I I talk about business a little bit in the podcast, but I don't do it enough. Um, I, I'd like to start doing a little bit more of that as well. So I think I'm going to start um, – and this is time dependent, so please no one hold me to this. I'd like <laughs> to um, start doing some short like 15-minute episodes where I talk about the business and just <clears> – <throat> change up the format just a little bit for, but yeah. just short 15 minute episodes, like once every couple of weeks. Well, I've got um, a name for you on transcription. So we'll talk after the show, on okay, that, but I, I can help you with that one. Good. Cause so, all the ones I, I think, found are uh, pricey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually, it's funny cause we started out, that was one the of the first, first things we were two doing. Episodes we did. I think we did yeah. maybe the first eight episodes. Oh, really? I have, tra- I have transcribed huh. and uh, our problem was that I, I wasn't using it and that was an expense. You know I mean? We, yeah. We're still young enough in the show that we haven't quite figured out how to monetize yet. And uh, we're, we're, you know, trying to work on that. We've got some. No, I'm you know, still trying to figure it out, too. So and, I don't, uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we had to sort of mitigate the money we were just putting in that sure. wasn't actually returning anything. So we, we slowed down on the transcription. But I love that idea of sort of compiling the best ofs, you know, and putting that into some kind of book or, you know, I don't know, a, a calendar with quotes or something. I don't know. Yeah, something. But, I mean, even if it's just blog posts that I can put up and, you know, be centered around different themes. I would be fine with that too. It's just, I I think a book in the long term is is my ultimate goal with something like that and take themes. Um, Because one of the things, and and I went off onto the tangent of business, but one of the things that I really focus on a lot um, and, and it's not intentional is, you know, a lot of creatives deal with depression and anxiety and things like that so tackling that from a you know creative person's standpoint i think is something that could be really helpful 
I agree. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Well, and having experienced all that stuff as a creative person, I can yeah, tell you <laughs> it's uh, it's true. And it's also true of just about everyone I know in the field. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few exceptionally, you know, healthy people out there, but by and large, it's a pretty common trait among creatives. Yeah, there's very few. <laughs> so, well, you're, you're hypercritical of your own work and yeah. you're, and that's how you're making money is putting your work out there. Well, so. and anytime you're kind of working as an artist and you're working, you know, you don't have that steady money coming in and you're a freelancer. And there's a lot of insecurity, you know, and and all that stuff. I mean, I, I don't know any artists. I mean, I really can't think of any that are like super proud of their work. You know, it's always, mm-hmm. oh, it could be better. Oh, it could be whatever, you know. And I think that characteristic is indicative of the larger sort of insecurity, anxiety, whatever that's sort of built into creative people. Well, and I also think the better you get, the more critical you are of your work. Oh, um, definitely. Me, for example, when I put a mix out six years ago when I first started recording mixes, who cares? I'm just giving it to my friends. No big deal. Now I kind of have a base and everything I put out, I'm super sensitive about it, you know, and, and I go back mm-hmm. and all I've re- even this week I recorded an hour mix and as I was recording it, I was thinking, Oh, this is awesome. And then I went and sat down and listened to it and I deleted it. <laughs> it just, you know, it, it is what well, it is. It's the same. And you know, it's funny cause we, we've had people ask us, you know, cause we seem to be coming from different places, Mike and I, where he's got sort of this digital background as a DJ and, mm-hmm. uh, and I come from sort of this art and design side. And, uh, but it's funny cause there's really, if you sort of break it down creativity is is the same across channels you know and across mm-hmm. mediums really and so mike and i actually you know are, are very con- you know very similar in a Lots lot of, of ways parallels. and uh, yeah. we're you know and even even myself i'm kind of guilty of it you know i didn't realize some of these parallels until we started doing the show and then it's like oh well you're you know as a dj you're going through the same struggle i am you know i'm trying finding to clients yeah, find, i'm trying to yeah. format an ad or yeah locate you know find new business or whatever it is and the struggle is the same for really anybody in any creative field, you know, whether it's music or, or design or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that's been kind of a, an interesting, uh, insight that we've come across doing this show is just sort of how similar we all are, even though, you know, at first glance, we might be a little different. Definitely. So, so going back to that, what, what, what is something that you guys hope to do with your podcast? Well, I think, and and uh, maybe Mike has different motives, so I won't speak for him, but um, I think ultimately, you know, the goal is to make it bigger. I think it's doing what we set out to do, which was to, well, initially anyway, was to generate content. Uh, we're, we'll be 34 episodes deep uh, with this one. And, uh, and so that's, you know, I mean, for us, it's quite the accomplishment. That's 34 weeks of shows. It's just the fact that we're still doing and, it. Uh, and so that, you know, for us, that's, you know, I mean... We can't impress you, hundred episode guys, but uh, but our, but our thirty four hey, episodes thirty four episodes is pretty tough to get to. <laughs> well, it's a big win for me and Mike too, because like I mentioned earlier in the show, I mean the two, the two of us are schemers and we're always up to stuff. There's sure. always some show or some project or some event or whatever it is we want to host, and uh, you know, but usually it's flash in the pan, it's done and gone, you know. So this mm-hmm. the fact that this is stuck for so long uh, is something that I think collectively we're really proud of, and uh, you know really grateful for. So I think the the goal is to keep moving forward. Uh, It's evolved from just strictly us forcing content out into the world into something a little different. When we transitioned to sort of an interview show uh, where we were bringing on guests rather than trying to lead the whole thing ourselves, it changed the whole dynamic to to something where we're sharing information, we're a conduit for information. And, uh, And it's turned into an awesome networking opportunity, a way to make new 
friends and meet new people from all kinds of new backgrounds. And uh, I mean, I think in general, it's really rewarding. So I would say, you know, at least from my perspective, just continued growth, you know, continue uh, getting great guests and meeting great people, uh, attending events and doing other things on behalf of the the podcast, uh, I think are all sort of uh, goals. I, I don't yeah, know if Mike's I, got anything different. I think that's pretty much sums it up for me as well. I, I've really enjoyed um, the process so far. Uh, I, I think it would be cool at some point to, you know, get some bands in studio, do some live recordings and stuff like that. That's kind of my expertise. So I think that that'd be fun to do. Um, I don't know. I pretty much keep doing what we're doing and, and hopefully it t- takes us somewhere, cool. <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, I guess uh, we've got to be around an hour, hour we and some are change. sitting just and, over uh, an hour. And uh, we... And so I, I don't know, uh, in closing, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or actually, can I ask you a couple questions about the Creative South uh, event? Absolutely. I mean, not to circle all the way back to the beginning, but, you know, me and Mike here, right? We, we've been talking about it for weeks on the show sure. about, about getting, you know, our plans together and starting and getting our tickets bought and everything uh, for, for the person who's on the edge like us. You know, quote unquote, on the edge. You know, what would you say about this okay, conference? Okay, procrastination is not the edge. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's true. Um, well, so I will say, so one insight that came to me after attending that uh, Weapons of Mass Creation Fest where I met you, um, not to beat that into the ground for eggs listeners, but... Um, <laughs> It was just the the importance of these types of events and uh, everybody at that event uh, or many of the people I met at that event are regulars at Creative South. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was their sort of, you know, two cents on the on the matter that sort of encouraged me to want to go. Well, actually, just the tagline for the show, come as friends, leave as family. Mm -hmm. That says a lot right there. I mean, as far as and it's funny because in Cleveland you know, we got a little bit of that. I mean, here we are two years later. We're still, I mean, we've had a number of guys from that event on our show. Uh, here we are doing this one with Jason, you know I mean? that And that's, that was, those were seeds laid two years ago. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, creative South sort of the experience in general? I mean, you, you mentioned some positive experiences you'd had with it, but also just the importance of this kind of event in terms of personal and professional growth and improvement, you know, and just, I, I don't know. I mean, if there, if there's any like parting shots or, or selling points or anything you could deliver on that show on that. Event. Sure. Sure. Right after I cough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, this year, uh, creative South is April 12th through 14th. I think that sounds, that sounds right. right. That sounds right. Um, I really should know that. <laughs> um, but like I said, for me, it's just been a really good way to get out there and meet other people in the industry. Yep. I know. 12th through 14th. Yes. yes. So with 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 a lot of freelancers and a lot of people, even people who work in-house, a lot of times we're kind of isolated and we're kind of by ourselves. And this is a good conference and a good way to get out and – you know, share your stories and meet other people who are like-minded, who do the same thing, who have the same interests and, and things like that. Um, so it's not so much networking as it is, you know, making friends and making family. Um, well, and it's interesting. So I, I'm sort of, I think sort of, as you described yourself, like, uh, you know, at your first, uh, creative South event, you know, sort of not 
generally the first to be, you know, real out there. Generally, I'll what kind are of you talking about? You hit people up on Instagram to find. Well, that's that's the new me. <laughs> so, but um, but my impulse, even though I fight through it a lot of times, my impulse is to sort of be quiet and be that wallflower. <laughs> and when I came to Cleveland, I was just a, a babe lost in the woods, and uh, and the only thing that could occur to me is to hit some people up on Instagram uh, that were all perfect strangers to me, but I was pulled into a group of guys and we hung out all week and well, guys and gals, and we hung out all week and it was, you know, a really amazing experience. We made some really good opportunities and, 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 or not opportunities, but relationships. And, uh, that sort of camaraderie, especially for people who work as freelancers, you you know, you spend a lot of time alone. You know, you (laughs) talked earlier to the, uh, the, the burning, uh, midnight oil and stuff like that. I mean, that's the reality for a freelancer and probably contributes to the depression we were talking about too. I'm sure it does. But you, you spend an awful lot of time by yourself in your own thoughts, thinking about what to do or whatever. And that event, you know, and I can't speak to creative South outside of just what everybody's told me, but you know, cause I, I don't go to a lot of these things and, and I should, I should do more uh, because I've always been an advocate and in investing in yourself and, and, you know, continually learning and things like that. And uh, so I believe in all those things, but as I said, I'm a little bit, quiet and reserved most of the time. So I don't put myself out there a lot, but, uh, but the, the positive things that I pulled out of weapons of mass creation fest have, have affected me in a lot of really positive ways. And everything I've heard about creative South indicates that it's all that and more. I, w- I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, weapons is my second favorite conference that I've been to. Um, and you know, I, I, obviously I'm biased <laughs> and, and, and creative South was the first creative conference that I went to, but they have a very similar feel. I think, and, and creative South isn't like huge. It's, I don't know, about 800 people throughout the weekend. And bad. yeah, no, it, but that's about, Two to three times the size of weapons of mass creation. Though. Yeah, and really though, that's that's kind but of about right. Feel like, it doesn't feel like that. Well, that's the thing. You can go to Adobe Max and hang out with five thousand people, but you yeah. how do you you can't get to You're know anybody? Get to know you don't have time. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, there's you know there's no time for for right. the relationship building. That, like I got out of the weapons show, and so but you know that's one of the things I was really excited about. Creative South is actually coming out and doing that, and uh, you know I I mean I know a number of guys from Weapons of Mass Creation Fest are, are coming out there, uh, so it'll be great to reunite with those guys mm-hmm. and spend some time with them, but also just the opportunity to come out and meet new people and more. People, yeah, uh, you know, is all really exciting for me. Also, the uh, the speaker lineup is crazy. Uh, oh, this is by far one of my favorite years for speakers. I mean, yeah, there are a couple that I'm Luke really Flowers excited about. To now, I'm going to blank on all of them because I don't have a full in front of me. <laughs> well, but, I mean, um, a couple that I just love. I mean, John Contino, yes, uh, Amy and Jen That's Hood are awesome. Uh, Liz Mack is great. I mean, there's a bunch of these people that I have you know sort of <laughs> peripheral awareness of, but I'm really mm-hmm. excited to to try and see them. And yeah. uh, you know and and that was, I think, one of the things that was the biggest takeaway for me with this kind of event, because, you know, I, I guess maybe with weapons, it's it, it's not the most expensive conference in the world. And so it's really no. open to a lot of students and a lot of people who maybe can't drop, you know, two or three hundred dollars on themselves to come to something like this. Sure. But 
I think it's really important for people to understand the, you know, even if it feels like a lot of money, it's still important to in- take that and invest it in you mm-hmm. and, uh, and the experiences you'll get and the things you'll pull out of it, you know, far exceed the cost of, of attendance. Oh yeah. And, and Creative South is, I mean, it's by no means is an expensive conference, but it, it is about 300 bucks for a ticket and then workshops are additional on top of that. But the content that you get from it and the experience that you get from it is well worth the money. And if you're a student, we have student tickets available. They're they're not live yet, but they will be going live. Oh, I don't know when. Sometime soon. Sometime between then and now. <laughs> yeah, sometime and, uh, between now and April. <laughs> so keep an eye on the creativesouth.com website. But, and, but there's and also opportunities where if you can't afford it, we have tickets for volunteers where they get a ticket for, I think it's half price. Um, and I'm going to say that and it's probably going to be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's half price. Um, <laughs> but that's really cool, you know, and I think yeah. it's also very um, self-aware, you know, understanding the audience. You know, you're going to have a share of people that come out to this kind of thing that maybe work an agency or their company is going to pay for it or whatever. But a lot of these people are freelancers or students or whomever, and, and a lot of them don't have big money. So just being aware of that is, is I think, really cool and also just sort of speaks to maybe the personality of this conference, of the Creative South Conference, mm-hmm. in that, you know, they're really looking out for people and they're actually, you know, coming from a good place. It's not about just like a money grab, you know? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Although anybody who's ever put on conferences or things like this, no, it's rarely a money grab. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Not at all. You're almost I'm, always working in a deficit. So so the money that we make every year basically just gets pumped right back into the conference. And it's, you know, it's not enough to pay for the conference for the next year by any means. Yeah. So it's it's just constantly revolving into yeah. to making the conference bigger and better. Having been in the promotion game, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's a challenge for sure. So anyway, well, we're sure looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully in the, the next couple of days, we'll get off our ass and make a decision. Please but, do. Uh, I really hope to see but that. It, but it's our plan to come out. And, and like I said, we'd like to try and maybe bring the show on the road. In addition to just like, I, I'm really looking to some forward to some of the breakout sessions. Yeah. And uh, and other things like that. I mean, you know, I've been in the the advertising and marketing business for a long time, but as I mentioned, I just, you, you can never stop learning. You can never stop, you know, what's the next trend, what's the next thing. And, and some of the people coming to speak at this event are, you know, are the ones coming up with the trends, you know, I mean, there's some yeah. really, really great minds coming to this thing. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. So for more information on that, uh, hit up just creative south.com. Yep. All right, Jason, anything else? No, you want to wrap it up? Uh, I mean, unless you've got something else. I mean, I feel like uh, like we we sort of bulldozed you a little bit. This became an egg <laughs> show. So if you've got no, anything else you want to pump in there, go crazy. I, yeah, I mean, you guys, even through talking, you guys answered most of my questions that I had. I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a good crossover show. There's always going to be one that is a little heavier than the other, but that's that's fine by me. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll do it again sometime, maybe a little closer to Creative South, or uh, if yeah, we're out definitely. there, maybe we'll catch in, do a little live segment or something. That and, would be even better. And we'll, uh, and we'll maybe come on your show and just do your show. We'll let you be boss. (laughs) That'll that'll work too. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, so for more information on Jason Frostholm uh, from Creative South and uh, Frostiki, uh, go to creativesouth.com or frostiki.com. You can find him at jfrostholm, that's J-F-R-O-S-T-H-O-L-M on just about every social network. Yep. You can find the Creative South podcast on Twitter and Facebook at uh, creative S-O-Pod, 
Creative South Pod. So C-R-E-A-T-I-V-S-O-P-O-D. And on uh, everything for the conference, uh, for the Creative South Conference, uh, which is in Columbus. Is that right? Columbus, Georgia? Columbus, Georgia. Is uh, Creative South GA uh, on all the socials. So uh, with that, uh, for more information on me, R2 Media Group, uh, whatever, just go to R2MG.com. For me, you can go to DJOntic.com. That's O-N-T-I-C. And find uh, more information about The Eggs Show at uh, eggscast.com or at Eggs Show on Twitter and Instagram. So with that, Jason, thanks so much. Appreciate the co-show. Glad to catch up with you. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. And go out and hug some necks. You betcha. I mean, in fact, we, Mike's got to watch out here. I'm going to give him one right before we get out of here. So, <laughs> all right, cool. And with that, we'll see everybody next time. Find out more about Eggs the Podcast on Twitter at Eggs Show. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with them. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod. And follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code PRINCESOUTH18 at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.